0: Hopefully. Could you go back to that video at the beginning please? There we go.
1: a vow that is tested like a covenant of old your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today faithful you have been and faithful you will be you pledge yourself to me And it's why I sing your praise Will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips Your praise will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips You, Father, the orphan Your kindness makes us whole our weakness And your strength becomes our own.
0: seated. As we dive in today, there are quite a few things that I just want to talk to you about first before we continue in worshiping together. I think that we can all agree that this has been a weird week, huh? A long week, a trying week, a A week of uncertainty, it seems like 24 hours ago that things were completely different than they are right now. This last weekend, um, Friday night, we met as a board, as a leadership team, and we're wrestling whether or not that we were going to be having service this morning. And then we met again yesterday morning, on Saturday morning, and we made the decision to have service. And so we actually had a team of volunteers Uh, Both those on our board and their spouses, we came in yesterday, and we sanitized and cleaned pretty much this entire main level, from the pews that you're sitting on to every single surface, uh, including back in the nursery, and um, I just want to say thank you to them. About an hour after we finished, uh, received an email from our denominational leadership, from Jim Bond, who's our district superintendent, and he... um, asked us as Churches of the Nazarene here in Kansas to cancel for today. So most of our Churches of the Nazarene here in the state have already canceled for today, uh, but we had already made the commitment to meeting today, which is why that we are here this morning. Now, I know, um, like I said a little bit ago, as quickly as things are changing, that probably tomorrow things are going to look different, and uh, things are going to be looking different the next day. And so... Probably there's a pretty good chance that next Sunday that we're not going to be able to meet in person. Um, Just looking at what's going on right now. But we are, even right now, uh, streaming via Facebook Live. And I want to welcome those who are watching with us. And then also, we are going to be taking our audio from the services. And then we're going to be uploading it to our website. So as soon as we finish service today, the audio of the service will be on there. So obviously you guys are here, but if you know somebody who still wants to participate in the service from this morning, they're going to be able to go to our website this afternoon and they can listen to the whole service. Okay? I think it is important that as a church that we are redirecting our energies from anxiety and panic to love into preparation as well. It's a a balance that we need to be making sure that we are handling. Um, There's a couple decisions as a board that we had to make um, for coming up. And so I want to share a couple of those with you. None of these were easy decisions at all. Every single one of them we have wrestled with. It seems like um, we're on the fence going both ways, um, trying to figure out what's the best way to do these. Um, But here's a couple of them. Number one, we're not going to be having Bible study tonight at 6 p.m. Okay, that's one of the first things. Uh, Number two, we are supposed to be bringing in new members today, and three of the four people who are going to be joining the church, one of them is in a nursing home where they are not allowing any visitors right now. Three of the four weren't able to be here this morning, so we're not going to be doing that today. With that being said as well, with the possibility of us not meeting next weekend, you have inside of your bulletin the ballot that's going to be um, for the elections that are going to be coming up. We're slated to have our elections the next two Sundays. We'll be postponing those until we can make sure that we have enough people here in order to be able to do it. I don't want to be holding an election in the majority of our church who our members don't have a say in who that leadership's going to be. So as soon as we can get enough people here uh, to represent our church in an adequate way, then we'll be resuming and holding those elections. The ballot won't change, though. So the ballot that you have in your hands right now is going to be the ballot that you will be voting on. The only addition, the only thing that will be different is when you go to vote, uh, we will have the NMI, our Missions Council. All of those names will be down there at the bottom, and we'll be providing you with those names as well. Another hard decision that we had to make um, is at the end of May, we were slated to take a trip, um, a work and witness trip for our church down to Guatemala, and we had to cancel that trip. Uh, per the Church in the Nazarene, they came out and they said that any work and witness trip worldwide, not just here in the United States, uh, before June 1st is canceled. Um, so they asked us to do that. Um, The monies that we raised from those fundraisers are still going to stay there in that account. So when we are able to reschedule that trip, then we'll just be putting that money towards those tickets in order to be able to offset those costs when we go down there. So um, it's not going to waste. It's just postponed, and then when we're able to take that trip, uh, we'll move forward. Um, A couple things that we're going to be doing in the service this morning Right now, um, during our service, we are not going to be taking an offering and passing the plates, uh, just to limit the amount of physical contact that's going to be happening. But when you exit, at the end of the service, there's going to be ushers by the doors holding out a plate, and then you can still participate in worship through giving as you exit this morning. And I'll be reminding you there at the end, okay? There's going to be a couple things that I talk about during my sermon and a little bit about some opportunities that we have before us as a church to serve in our community financially, relationally, Um, not only the members of our church, those who aren't able to be here this morning, um, but in order to be able to do so, I want to encourage you to keep giving to the church because the only way that we're going to be able to do those things is through continual giving. Now, there's a couple different ways that you can give. Obviously, you can give here this morning live, but I also want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to check out our website, which is newtonfirstnaz.com, and then you can click on Give, which is in the upper right, and you can give online. You can also give via text. The information is in your bulletin. It's just the phone number that you text Give, G-I-V-E, to, and it'll walk you through the process. It takes about 30 seconds for you to be able to give via text. And then the last way is, um, if you're not able to be here, you can send in a check or send in your offering through the mail. And the address is there at the bottom of the back of your bulletin, too. Um, Through all of this storm, we still worship. Throughout all of the things that are going on in our society today, God is still in control. It doesn't matter what this world throws at us. It doesn't matter what's happening. And when it feels like everything is spinning around us, God is not surprised. God has been anticipating this moment. He knew that it was going to be happening. He has been preparing us as his people, as his church, as his bride to step up into the gap in these crises in order to be able to love and to serve others. This is our opportunity as a church in order to be his hands and feet during this time. And so what I'm going to invite you to do now is I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to worship together through singing. But I want you to know that no matter how many people are here this morning, we can worship. And I would invite you to belt it out this morning. Bill, you too. Okay? And uh, we're going to sing together uh, by singing Redeem. Please stand.
2: Redeemed how I love to proclaim it Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Redeemed through His infinite mercy His child and forever I am Redeemed, redeemed Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Redeemed, redeemed His child and forever I am Redeemed, so, so happy in Jesus, no language might. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. And live my thong. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever I am. I know what's beauty, the King in his law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, in dream by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed. Redeemed Is child and forever I am Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste Of glory divine Heir of salvation Purchase of God Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. PRAISING MY SAVIOR ALL THE DAY LONG THIS IS MY STORY, THIS IS MY SONG PRAISING MY SAVIOR ALL THE DAY LONG PERFECT SUBMISSION, ALL IS AT REST I and MY SAVIOR, AND HAPPY AND BLESSED Praising my Savior all the day long.
0: You may be seated. I'm going to ask you here in a second to read with me our emphasis for prayer for this month. Um, But also, one of the things that we're going to be doing is we are going to be praying specifically for different groups of people right now during this time. Our president has set before us the task of um, praying together on this national day of prayer, to join together, um, to be lifting up all of the things that are going on, not only right here in Newton, in Kansas, in the United States, but around the world. And we're going to do so this morning. I want to invite you to read this with me. God, please let me be a part of the solution and not the problem. Show me what I need to see. Open my eyes to your reality and give me the courage to move forward in the directions you desire. In a second, I'm going to pray. And with your heads bowed, I'm going to invite you during different times during this prayer to pray for specific groups of people. And then I'm going to pause uh, for a short period of time so you can be lifting up those different groups. Okay? If you would bow with me. Heavenly Father, we approach you this morning in humility, with as much humility as we can muster. Recognizing today that we need you. We need you more than ever. That during times like this, we need you. But in fact, we need to admit this morning that we need you in all times. That you are good no matter what is going on. That you are good when things seem to be going our way. That you are good when things seem to be falling apart all around us. God, we praise you today. That we recognize that you are worthy that you are due all of the honor that we give you. For you are the one who loves. You are the one who loves us so very much that you sent your son here to this earth. Amen. Yes. Thank you. To display your love. To be Emmanuel. To be God with us. To show us what does it mean for us to be in a relationship with you. What does that right relationship look like? And so we say thank you. As we look this morning at the text, as we look this morning at your word, the way that you have, one of the ways that you have chosen it to speak to us, may we this morning take the things that we hear and transfer them from our head, from the things that we know to our heart, to the things that we feel, to our hands, the things that we then do because of what we know and what we feel. May we be guided by you this morning. May we take from this place today today, wisdom that has been coming from you through the power of your Holy Spirit to show us what steps that we need to be taking, not only as individuals, but as a church as well. It is a privilege for us as your people to gather here together this morning, whether it be in person or whether it be virtual, whether it be online. We thank you for that opportunity. Right now at this time, we lift up our president. We lift up our governors. We lift up those who are making decisions at these high levels in order about how to move forward in a way in which to take care of people.
3: those places
0: Father, we want to lift up before you right now those members of our church who are unable to come this morning, whether they be some of our homebound members, those who are physically unable, or those who were not able to come this morning due to uh, the virus and the things that are spreading right now, we lift them up.
3: know You're in control. Yeah. That yeah. this this is going to be okay. You're, you're going to get us through this. Mm-hmm. We just need to trust you in these times of trial. So, Father, just uh, encourage us and give us your sense of comfort. Thank you. Okay.
0: God, we pray right now for our doctors, for our nurses. For those who are on the front lines right now, making decisions about how best to help people, about how best to calm their fears, to minister to them in a way in which that they feel valued, that they feel worthy, and that they are getting the absolute best care that we are able to provide. We pray as well for those in our healthcare industry, those who are making decisions about how best to minister to everybody here. And so we pray for them right now. like them Father, we pray for at this time pastors, those who are shepherds, those who are leading their congregations, the board and the elders that support them, that they work together in order to be able to lead your church. And whatever decisions that they made this morning, whether they are able to physically meet, whether they are able to meet together online, that you would guide them in their decision-making that you would be with our denominational leaders, our district superintendents, the support staff, our general superintendents, uh, the six of them in our denomination that are overseeing the work and the efforts of the church of Nazarene around the world. We lift all of our pastors up in the church of the Nazarene, as well as those right here in our community that are meeting this morning.
3: Heirs to the will of God in their lives, responding as He would have them to lead and guide and offer the comfort that only the God of this universe, the Holy Spirit, would offer. Yes. I pray for this pastor. I pray especially for. being the one who is steering the the result to calm for each of us, I would pray massive strength be upon his shoulders, that he would be able to withstand the winds of this storm that is in front of him, for each of those in the district. Your wisdom to be upon them, and I pray that you would just give them absolute assurance for each of them in their role as they are in front of a large group of people. Amen.
0: Amen. God, we praise you. You are good. All the time, you are good. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we confess together what we believe. Join me in these words We believe in God, the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, He shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. I have one yes, sir. Bob, I don't even have to preach now. That was pretty good. (laughs) I had written my sermon for this week, and for the last about month, five weeks, that we've been going through the Apostles' Creed, line by line, the creed that we just read, the statement of beliefs, and God impressed it upon me yesterday morning to address what is going on in our country right now. And I love that when he does it at the last hour, so I get to completely rewrite a message uh, with about 24 hours to go. But I felt that it was imperative um, in being obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to address a topic that I think is very, very important to us today. And, And I pray that it challenges you. I pray that it encourages you. I pray that it builds you up the same way that it has built me up, too as I went through these passages in order to be able to share them with you today. I remember back in the late 90s and the early 2000s that there was a merchandise brand that took off. This brand um, had hats, it had jackets, it had shirts, it had sweatshirts, it had shoes. You name it, this clothing brand, this merchandise, you name it, they had it. How many of you remember back in that late 90s, early 2000s, there was a brand called No Fear? Remember seeing that everywhere? I mean, it was everywhere that you looked. It, it said, No Fear. And, and really, what the basis of this was, it was based upon extreme sports. And so what they were doing is they were showing us the virtues of extreme sports. That to not let anything hold us back, for us to live dangerously for us to live a life without fear. No fear. I feel like after these past few weeks that we should all go out and buy a few of these shirts. Because what I find is that people, both outside of the church and inside of the church, are living the exact opposite. That we are full of anxiety full of frustration, full of uncertainty, that I find that even as Christians, as Christ followers, that we are full of fear. But it is important in times like this, and not only in times like this, but as I said in my prayer, but at all times that we cling to the anchor. To something that is firm, to something that does not sway, to something that holds still in the middle of the storm. Something that grounds us, something that keeps us focused. You. As a Christ follower, you as a Christian, you as one who has believed in Jesus and placed your life in his hands, you have been put in a position of influence just for a time such as this. So what do we do in the storms of life? We trust in the one who controls them. We put our complete, our total, our unconditional trust in Jesus with no strings attached. That we trust him with every single facet of our lives. Now, there are many examples in scripture of why. We should place our trust in him. And we're going to look at a few of them this morning. But not only to look at them to figure out and to understand why we should be placing our trust in our anchor in Jesus. But also then what should we do now armed with that knowledge of how we hold on to him. What should we do? How do we transfer that information from our head to our heart to our hands during this storm. Well, let me set the scene from you this morning. We are going to primarily be looking at Matthew chapter 14. If you brought your Bible with, the, with you this morning, you can look that up in Matthew 14, or if you have it on your phone uh, through the Bible app or on your device, you can look it up. You'll notice um, that we pulled a couple of the information, or a couple of the pews in front of you, um, the Bibles and the hymnals from in front, just in terms of limiting that amount of contact. But if you don't have, if you didn't bring a Bible, we will also have the words up here on the screen, okay? In Matthew chapter 14, uh, this is the very first gospel, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first book of the New Testament. Each of these four books describe, depict, and tell us about the life of Jesus here on this earth. Each of them looks at it, his life, from a little bit different angle. We find ourselves this morning about halfway through the first gospel written by Matthew. And here in Matthew chapter 14, in these first 12 verses, we find that one of Jesus' closest friends, in fact, the person who all the way back at the beginning foretold Jesus' arrival, the one who baptized Jesus, the one who his disciples came to Jesus in order to be able to figure out the way in which they should be living, John the Baptist, his relative, that he was in a position that he was pushing back against the religious leaders of that time. And it got to the point where finally, Herod, because of a promise that he made to a young girl, that John the Baptist was beheaded, that he was killed. And what we find here in verse number 13 is that Jesus hears about what happened to his friend and relative John the Baptist. In verse number 13, what we see here is we find Jesus withdrawing to a solitary place to be by himself to deal with his grief. In verse number 13, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened regarding John the Baptist, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town's. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. See, despite Jesus' need for solitude, when it would have been so easy for him in the middle of his grief to see the crowds, to see those people who were also hurting, he was hurting they were hurting, it would have been so easy for him to step back and to look at himself and say, you know what, somebody else is going to have to help those people because I'm struggling right now. I know that they are struggling right now. But what did Jesus do? It says here that Jesus moved towards suffering. And I think that that gives us a pretty good idea of what we are called to do during these times as well. That instead of withdrawing, instead of pulling back from suffering, that we are called as the church to move toward suffering. To move towards those who are hurting. To move towards those who need help right now. Jesus met people where they were. And he ministered to them. At the end of that day, when evening came, We find Jesus continuing here in verse number 15. And it says, as evening approached the disciples, Jesus' disciples, they came to him. And they said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now think about it just for a second. When Jesus saw the crowds, when he saw them suffering, what did he do? He moved towards them. His disciples, his closest followers, what did they do when they saw people in need? They said, send them away. Now watch what Jesus does. He corrects them and he says to them what we all should be doing. In verse number 16, it says, Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. Don't push people away. You give them something to eat. We have here, this is their reply, We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Jesus is the one who worked the miracle here in this moment, but he invited the disciples to be a part of this. He took the bread that had been broken, that he had given thanks for it. He distributed it to the people, his disciples, his followers, in order then to be able to bless the people. In the same way that the Holy Spirit is working within us. He empowers us, therefore, to take what he has given us and to share it with the world. He invites us into that space to participate in what he is doing in the world. And that's something that we should praise him for. That's something that we should thank him for, is that we have the great opportunities as the church in moments like these to come alongside those who are suffering, those who need help. The disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and they were satisfied. This word, it means that they were stuffed. It wasn't like they got just a little bit of food, just so that every single person just got enough that it would get them so that they could go back home. It says that they were completely stuffed. And in fact, after they were all satisfied, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now, I did a little bit of research this last week and was looking at um, some accounts of how big these baskets of broken pieces were. And and, and I saw in some places that these baskets were about 2 to 3 feet across. And in some places, they were 3 to 4 feet high. So you think about like a barrel, how much fish and how much bread there was left over. It wasn't just a little bit. It was an enormous amount that was left over after Jesus touched, after he ministered to, after he went towards those who needed him most as the bread of life, as the living water. He stepped into that gap, empowered his followers to serve with him. And then there was so much left over. Verse 21, the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. We think that if you were to count uh, based upon the amount of men that were there, we think that this was probably pretty close to 10,000 people who were there. That's a lot of people based upon a couple loaves of bread. And a couple loaves of fish. See, when I look at a passage like this and, and I think about what Jesus has done, that he is somebody who is grieving the loss of his friend and his relative, he is emotionally spent now at this moment. And often what I find is when I am emotionally spent, then I am also physically spent as well. Now, Jesus, what he does is then he begins to minister to people. Even though the fact all he wanted to do was to withdraw and to spend time with the Father, he went, he moved toward suffering in order to love and to serve others. He performs this miracle, this amazing, this mighty, this powerful miracle. And and I always try to, when I look at the Scripture, to put myself in the shoes of those who were there watching and observing this miracle happen. Think about it for just a second. If you were one of the 12 disciples and you're watching Jesus do this to expend himself, to put himself out there completely and fully in order to love and to serve others, would you be amazed at what he just did? Nod your heads. Yes, you absolutely would be amazed. Could you imagine watching Jesus provide food for thousands with just a little? Do you think that your faith in that moment would be at an all-time high? Watching that. I would like to think so. I mean, I I watch you nod your head in that moment saying, absolutely. I mean, He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one who is able to do anything. He is the one who is in control. I just watched Him do this. But one of the things that we find with the disciples and also with us is that the disciples' short-term memory wasn't very good. Because they had just watched this happen of Jesus feeding the 5,000 or 10,000 if you were to add them all up here in 13 to 21. After watching Jesus do the miraculous, it's pretty amazing. But then you also couple it up with some of the other miracles that they had seen Jesus do. If you back up just a couple chapters to Matthew chapter 8, look what Jesus does here. It says then he Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves they swept over the boat but what was Jesus doing? He was asleep. He was in a position of rest because he knew that he was in control that there was no reason to be afraid there was no reason to be anxious that he had it. The disciples went And they woke him up. They're like, Lord, save us. They recognized that he would be the only one who would be able to save them there in that moment. They knew that if they went to him, that he would be the one to save them. We're going to drown. I can imagine them crowding around Jesus and shaking him and waking him up. And Jesus replied here, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Now, did Jesus say that they had no faith? No, he did not. He said that they had little faith. I want you to remember that as we continue. And it was completely calm. Verse 27, the men, his disciples, they were amazed. And they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves They obey him. See, in chapter 14, when we just saw the feeding here of the 5,000 men, it shouldn't have been that surprising that Jesus was able to work this miracle. I mean, Jesus was able. He was capable, and he displayed his power here in Matthew chapter 8, and we see it continuing throughout all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But what do they do? They forget. They see him working the miraculous, and they see all the things that he has done, and immediately they forget so quickly. And what I find is that we often do this today as well. That when God provides for us, we see Jesus provide an unexpected financial blessing, but the next time that we're in need, we doubt whether he's going to be able to come through. Or maybe we see Jesus heal a broken relationship, but then we doubt the next time that we are in the middle of a difficult relationship, whether or not that that relationship might be fixable, whether or not it possibly could be reconciled. Or maybe we see Jesus with us, his presence with us in times of need, but then when the next crisis, when the next storm pops up, we wonder, we guess, we ask, is he even there? Is he even there with us? And what I find is that our doubt, our amount of little faith, mirrors the disciples. Our short-term memory is very, very similar to them as we continue in Matthew chapter 14. Look at verse number 22 as we continue in this chapter. There's a word that's going to pop up here three times in these verses. And that word is immediately. I want you to pay careful attention to that word. I I love the fact when we have words like this that are repeated in a passage because it calls our attention to them immediately following what had just happened, immediately following the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and to go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. In a little bit, we're going to see, spoiler alert, Another storm come up. But Jesus is dismissing the disciples here. He says, I want you to get in the boat, and I want you to go on ahead of me. Jesus knew in his infinite knowledge that there was going to be a storm. Yet he still sent the disciples on ahead of them. He knew that they were about to enter into a difficult time in their life. But he knew that when he arrived on the scene that everything was going to be okay. But still, he sent them on ahead. They were alone here. Or Jesus is going to be alone here. In verse number 23, it says, After Jesus had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Once again, we see Jesus withdrawing from the crowds, withdrawing from those who are closest to him in order to be able to spend time with the Father, in order to nurture his relationship with God, so that he might be equipped in order to face life's challenges, in order to face life's struggles. In verse 24, It says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. It is buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. We are invited here in this verse to think of our own storms, the things that we are being buffeted by in our lives as well. Shortly before dawn in verse 25, this would have been between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., what that means is, for the entire night, they had been fighting against the storm. It wasn't like it was just a couple minutes. This was a long period of time that they were fighting through this storm. And sometimes it seems like the storms of life go on forever. Like they are never ending. Like there is no way that we are going to be able to see past the storm. But it is in moments like this when we are in the middle of the storm that we need to remember the things that God has done for us. And what he wants to do in our lives right now, the ways in which that we can trust him and what he will do in the future, what he has promised to do for us, he will always do it. Verse 26. He went out, uh, go back to 25, it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Hold on a second. I just want you to think about that for a second. What was Jesus doing? He was walking on the water. The, The lake at this point where the disciples were out on this boat, it's probably about four to five miles wide which means if they were out in the middle of the lake, they were probably two to three miles out from land. It's not like they were really close to the shore and and Jesus was just kind of in the shallows and he walked up to them. No, this is the deepest point of the lake and Jesus walks out to them. Now going on around them is this storm. They are in the boat. We know that before in Matthew chapter eight that when this storm came up, that they were freaked out. And Jesus says, I want you to calm down. Do not be afraid. And then we find them six chapters later, almost in the exact same situation. And what do they do? They're afraid again. They didn't learn from the past. Their memories were so short that immediately they began to question. They began to doubt again. Verse 26, we see their reaction. When the disciples saw Jesus walking to them in the midst of the storm, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They didn't recognize him, they said. And they cried out in fear. They doubted him. But what is Jesus doing here in this verse? He's doing the same thing that he did prior to the feeding of the 5,000. He is moving towards suffering. He's moving towards those who are struggling in the storms of life. He moves towards his followers, towards the disciples. And look what he does here in verse 27. But Jesus immediately. What's that word? immediately said to them, he notices, he sees, he observes, he watches, he knows them, he knows you. And he said to them immediately, take courage. It is I. I'm here with you. I'm present with you. Don't be afraid. His very, comf- his very presence was comforting to them. Verse 28. Now again, Watch, here is Peter, the big mouth, the one that we always kind of look down upon because we know later on in the story that he questions, that he denies Jesus three times. And we often look at the failings of Peter and we identify him with those. But watch what Peter does here because how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve disciples. In a second, we're going to see Peter jump out of the boat and to walk towards the Lord. He's the only one who did so. The other eleven stayed back in the boat. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you, there's still a little bit of doubt in his mind. But even though he is questioning it, he is willing to take that chance. He is willing to take that risk. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. The same thing that they had said to him back in Matthew chapter 8. We saw at the beginning, when Jesus was walking to them on the water, Peter's eyes were transfixed upon Jesus. Or they were transfixed upon the storm, and then Jesus came and he saw Jesus. But now again, he's out of the boat, and he begins to look at the storm. We see this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He's looking at the storm. He's looking at Jesus. He's looking at the storm. He's looking on G- at Jesus. And what Jesus calls for us to do in the middle of the storm is just to keep our eyes transfixed upon him. Yes, but yes, there are storms going on around us right now. He knows that. He's in control of those storms. Even the winds and the waves, they obey him. He is aware of our situation. But he says, look at me. Stay with me. I'm present with you right now, no matter what you are going through, no matter what challenges, what storms, what struggles you are going through. And Peter, again, he cries out to the only one he knows that could save him. There's that word again. What is it? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt and we need to look here at this, and I, and I want to be very clear with you that Peter did not fail. Peter jumped out of the boat. Peter walked toward Jesus. And it was in the middle of that. When he had this moment that he took his eyes off of Jesus, but as soon as Jesus took him by the hand, that there was this touch, this presence, that immediately he locked eyes with Jesus again, and Jesus brought him back to him. Verse 32, And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat, they worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. These stories here in Matthew chapter 8 and in Matthew chapter 14, they depict Jesus as the Son of God, as the Lord, as the Savior. And so armed with that knowledge, in the same way that the disciples saw what Jesus did, these miracles, given our circumstances today, given the storms that we are in the midst of today, here are a couple things that we need to do. Now, I know that you have sermon notes. Um, If you want to go ahead and just write these down, I know they're not going to perfectly line up with what I'm going to have up here on the screen. And I'll leave them up on the screen while I'm talking about them so you can see them. But here's the first thing that we need to do, knowing the fact that Jesus is with us in the midst of the storm. Here's the first one. Trust Him first. To trust God Often what we find in the midst of the storms of life is that we put our trust in other things besides him. Maybe right now in this storm that you are putting your trust in your finances. Maybe right now you are putting your trust in your supplies or in the stockpiles of toilet paper that you have right now. Don't act like you did not go out and buy every single roll that you saw this week. I know that you did. In fact, I'm the person who did, no, I'm just joking, Um, but we see people doing that. I, I went to Dillon's, the North Dillon's here this last week, and you walk up and down the aisles, and like, everything is gone, and what people are doing there in that moment is they are trusting in those things rather than trusting in God. Should we be prepared? Absolutely, but our number one preparation step should be to trust in God. It's not wrong to be prepared. I'm not criticizing that. But we need to make sure that we're trusting him. Here's the second thing. We need to be willing to speak to others from a position of faith. From a position of faith. We saw Jesus saying to the disciples, you of little faith. I don't want him to be saying that to me. I want him to be saying to me, Jay the amount of faith that you have in me. It's astounding, and it's exactly where you need to be. You are being obedient to me by placing your trust in me and my ability to see you through these storms. In the middle of these storms, if something is bad, we shouldn't sugarcoat it. But as well, we shouldn't make things worse either. I want to encourage you during this time, Do not pass along rumors. Do not pass along conspiracy theories. Validate and check your sources. I hear such phrases all the time. I heard this. Da, 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 da. And then you say it to this person, and then we begin to play that game of telephone, and then they take it, and then they take it, and then they take it, and we see... Chicken Little and the sky is falling down all around us. Or maybe it's not I see or maybe, or I heard, but it's like, did you see this article, these things that are going on? We need to make sure that we are speaking from a position of faith, not one of fear. And so what we need to do, this third thing is, we need to project calm and peace. As Christ followers, we need to project calm and peace. Peace, In the same way that Jesus is in control of the storms, of the winds, and the waves, we need to be projecting that calm. It says in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He is the God of peace. And so therefore, we need to be taking that peace that we have received as a fruit of the Spirit and projecting that calm and that peace to a world that so desperately needs it right now. People of peace are not agitators. They're not conspiracy theorists. They are people who promote peace at all times in all situations. And because he is a God of peace, therefore, we should be people of peace as well. Number four, as a church, we need to think outside the box about ways that our church can redirect ministry to meet people's needs. This is going to be a great opportunity during this time, during this pandemic, To show people the love of Jesus. Maybe it is going to be financially. Maybe it is going to be relationally. Maybe it's we look at our church building as our property here. As a resource for the community during this time. Maybe we look at the giftedness of our people. Maybe we look at the abilities that we have as church members. Tough times always present great opportunities for the church to step into the gap. For us to step into the needs, for us to step into the crises. I love this saying, and it says that ships weren't built to sit in the harbor. They were built to sail the seas. We weren't built as the church formed by Jesus to sit back and to watch everything go past us. But we are called to step out in faith to love and to serve God and others. God is giving us an opportunity as a church to step up. Let's not miss it. And so I just want to put this question out there to you as the church, those who are present this morning and those who are watching online right now. How can we as a church do things differently? I welcome your suggestions. I want to know what you are seeing. What are some ways that as a church body, as a church family, that we can lean into the things that you are seeing? Because it's not just going to be enough for me to look out into the community. But if we have 100 eyes, 150 eyes that are looking at our community, we are going to be able to have a better understanding of what is going on in ways that we can step into those gaps and step into those crises. I welcome your ingenuity. I welcome you thinking outside the box during this time. Contact me. Email me. My contact info is there on the back of the sheet. Call here at the church office. Email me. Whatever it is, get a hold of me because I want us to be locking arms and partnering together as a church. And the only way that that is going to happen is if we step into faith Together as the church. For example, one of the ways I'll just put this out there I don't know what this looks like, I don't know what this means, but in the event that next week, this is spring break that's coming up here for the schools in Newton and in Heston, and I believe it's for Berean as well, um, that the week after that, when kids are set to go back to school, if they don't meet, a lot of times what we find is that the only meal that some students get is the breakfast and or the lunch that they receive at school that day. And if they're not going to school, how are they getting fed? So what does that mean? How do we come alongside those who are suffering, those who are struggling, and how do we walk toward suffering rather than just sitting back and watching and hoping that somebody else takes care of them? What do we do? I don't know. But we can figure it out together in the wisdom that God provides to us. Here's the last thing that we should do. As the church, we need to rise to the occasion. Do not join the bandwagon of naysayers and nail biters. Don't be a fear monger. God is not surprised. He is not challenged by any of this, and we can trust him. The church was made for this. We get to step into a place that has never been available before, and if we let him, he will redeem this moment and give us greater opportunities to minister to people like we have never been able to do so before. As the church, we, as the church, as the body, as people of God, we need to be leading the way during this time. We need to be pointing people to the way, to the truth, to the life, which is only found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. When we are in the middle of the storms of life, we need to focus on his power rather than in our own inadequacies. He is present with us. He is here with us right now in the middle of the storm. I want to encourage you in a way that you never have before to step out in faith and to trust him. He's got it. He's in control, and we can trust in him with every part of who we are. Let me pray for you. I'm going to invite our musicians to come forward. We're going to sing together in worship. But God, my prayer right now for the people who are here in this room, the people who are watching online right now or who will be listening later on today is that we would trust in you, is that we would recognize that you are the anchor, you are the one who holds firm, that we can cling to you in times of uncertainty In the middle of the storm when it seems like everything is just crashing down around us. When our eyes are focused on the storm, on the wind, on the waves, on the lightning, on everything else that is going on, we need to be fixing our eyes upon you. And fixing our eyes upon you only. May you continue to remind us of the things that you have done, the things that you want to do in and through your church, through us right now and the things that you are calling for us to do, may we, as your people, be obedient. May we say yes. Father, we love you because you first loved us. In your name, amen.
2: Him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throat. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Eternity crown in the Lord of Love. Behold his hands and sight, rich wounds yet visible above. In beauty glorified, no angel in the sky can fully bear that sight. But downward bends his wandering eyes at mysteries so bright. Crown him the Lord of life who triumphed for the grave, who rose victorious to the strife right for those he came to save. His glories now we see. Who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring, and lives that death may die. Crown him the Lord of heaven, one with the Father known, one with the Spirit through him given from yonder glorious throne to thee be endless praise for thou for us hast died for thou O Lord through endless days adored and magnified but from whom all blessings flow Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.
0: Amen. I just want to say thank you again for being here with us this morning, with worshiping with us. I want to remind you, too, that as you exit here this morning, that you're going to have the opportunity to worship through giving. Our ushers are going to be back there at the door blocking it. If you don't give, you have to give something to get out. No, I'm just joking. But thank you for being here. This upcoming week, like I said earlier, that things are changing rapidly. So if there are going to be some changes that we need to communicate to you as the church, we're going to do so in a couple ways. It's going to be either through email. It'll be on social media, Facebook, and on Twitter. Um, It will also be here if you want to call into the church phone number. We will have a message on the voicemail. And then it will also be on our website at newtonfirstnaz.com. So if you have any questions, get a hold of us. Call us. Be in prayer this week as a people who have placed their complete trust in him. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed.